Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 10, 24-32, called The Making of a Disciple. We're going to look at the making of a disciple. My intention was to go up to verse 42 and finish the chapter. I did not make it at first service. I know that's shocking to most of you. But we made it to verse 33. So we're going to read uh, 24 through 33. If you're able to stand with us, would you stand for the reading of God's word? So Matthew 10, 24 through 33. Let me just remind you of the context. Jesus has summoned the 12 apostles to himself. That's verse 1 of Matthew 10. And he's sending them out on a short-term mission trip, dropping down to verse 6, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he tells them, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, in that same recorded discourse from Matthew, Jesus, still addressing them before they go out, says these words. A disciple, Matthew 10, 24, is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are of more value, or you are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men... I will also confess him before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who's in heaven. You can have a seat. Father, thank you for your living word in Jesus for this amazing uh, section, which is a hard section. Honestly, it's filled with a lot of challenging things. The mention of hell, the mention of soul and body being destroyed, the mention of discipleship and really losing our life to gain it back as we read on. These are concepts very hard for the Western mind, especially in a generation or a civilization, really, that's become so self-centered and so me-centered. And frankly, Father, I don't have to update you on what's going on, but the church, the professing church, has pandered to it. And rather than telling people what they need to hear, we've told people what they want to hear, And it's not really doing us much good because we're skipping passages like this that are a call to discipleship, a call that we know the Great Commission is all about. So would you help us, Lord, to have ears to hear? And of course, we're not the 12 apostles. We're not that first century audience going to the lost sheep of Israel, but we are modern disciples. We are contemporary ones for our time in the Western world, a a world that's been largely friendly to the church, although... Things are moving the other direction quickly. So would you help us to find the strength to stand, 
to know what a disciple signs up for and what we're supposed to be, to know the blessing of discipleship and yet its realities, and ultimately, Lord, that we would become more like you. So teach us from your word. I pray that you are honored in the way we teach the word and the way we respond to it. May you be glorified and may you inspire your church and fill them up afresh towards love and good deeds. I pray in Christ's name, if you agree, would you say? Amen. Amen. The making of a disciple. Now, you all probably have heard of the Great Commission. It's at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, the last several verses. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me, has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make what? Disciples of all the nations. Now, that's the Great Commission. And that's the title. It's the making of a disciple. We're to go. And we know that we need to preach the gospel to the lost, right? That's part of our commissioning. Preach the gospel to every soul, every creature in the book of Mark. But once people get saved, there's a process that is called discipleship. And there are kind of two camps here. There are some Christian scholars that believe that without being a disciple, you're not a Christian. They would say there's only one category of Christians, and that's a disciple. There are other scholars who would argue that sonship... Being born again of the Holy Spirit is distinct from discipleship. Discipleship is kind of sanctification, if you will, the second phase of your journey with the Lord. Uh, Some believe that unless Jesus is your Lord and you're walking as a disciple, you're not a Christian. And there's good people in that camp as well, just so you know what the main couple of views are. But Jesus obviously gave us a commission to go and make disciples, not just to get people to say a sinner's prayer, Not just to get people to check a box on a medical form, I'm a Christian because my granddaddy was one or my uncle's a minister. That doesn't cut it. That's not what Jesus is calling us to. And you're going to see in in these verses, these are some hard words, very direct words, but they are the call. And you need to know what the call is. You need to know what you're signing up for when you decide to follow Jesus because this is the call of the church. My job is to make disciples. And Jesus Put it this way, and I'm going to give you really two things at the beginning. I'll give you several headings for you note-takers, but I'm going to give you two things at the beginning to think about. What is a disciple, and how do you make one? If, if the Great Commission is to make disciples, we need to know what a disciple is, and what is the process of making one? And Jesus said, we are to teach you, we are to teach all of us are to be taught to obey everything Jesus commanded. That's what he said in Matthew 28. I think that's verse 19. Teach them to obey me. Your job as a leader, pastor, etc., Bible study leader, parent, is teach them to obey me. That's the great commission. Teach them to do what I said. So in the opening part of verse 24, you can see the word disciple, a disciple. Let's just park there for a second. Note takers, the Greek word for disciple is methetes. It's spelled math, like our word math, M-A-T-H, and E-T-E-S on the end. M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S, methetes. A methetes, or a disciple, is a learner or a pupil under a teacher. You can see that Jesus said a disciple is not above his teacher. The word for teaching or teacher there is didaskalon, And it even has the idea of a doctor of theology or a teacher or an instructor. So you have a teacher and you have a pupil. Now in the ancient world, leaders, rabbis, even John the Baptist had their disciples. And disciples, 
followed a teacher or a rabbi, if you will, and rabbi really means teacher. They would travel with him. They would spend a lot of time together. They would learn his mannerisms. Sometimes they would be in kind of like a formal school under him. And as they spent time together, the goal of a disciple would be to become like his teacher. So the disciples, for example, or the apostles, watched Jesus interact with people, heard his teaching, watched how he responded to the religious leaders, to the outcasts of society, and they were learning. Much of ministry is both taught and caught. And so as they walked with the Lord and traveled to different cities and watched him reach out to the you know, prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors and the blind and the lame, etc., and watched him you know, break uh, ancient boundaries to reach out to the lost, they were taking it all in. They were drinking it in. They were his pupils. They were learning. They were growing. And the, the idea of a, a disciple is very common in this time. So the pupil would travel and learn. There's a parallel clause here, or you could call it an example of this person. He's also called, a, she is also called a slave or a servant. Notice a disciple is not above his teacher. You can call that clause one. Here's what scholars would call a balanced parallel clause, nor a slave above his master. Now you can see the word master there is kurion in Greek. It's uh, synonymous with Lord. And when we're, we've been talking about the kingdom of God in Matthew. And when you think about Jesus' lordship, you can think of his kingship. Citizens of the kingdom do what the king says. Servants do what their Lord says. And so the two uh, word pictures, if you will, a pupil under his teacher learning to be like him, a servant serving his master. Parallel ideas, if you will, to drive the point home. Taken together with the servant-slave imagery, the disciple is a learner, follower, imitator, and servant. The ideas of teacher and Lord come to us from John 13. You don't have to turn there, but it is a very famous scene. In fact, uh, Brother Bill preached on it yesterday at our men's breakfast. And Jesus is about to wash the disciples' feet. He's going to die on the cross within a matter of hours. And he says these words. He says, do you know what I've done to you? And he, he had washed their feet. He says, you call me master and Lord or teacher and Lord. That's what I am. He used the two uh, examples that are in verse 24 of Matthew 10. You call me teacher and Lord. So you say you're my pupil and my servant. And that's right. That's what I am. If I, your teacher and Lord, washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. Now, Bill was talking about the ancient world and traveling around in sandals, and he was saying, you know, can you imagine today when we look down at our feet, you might have a pair of Adidas on or some nice dress shoes or something like that. And we have protection for our feet no matter where we walk. In the summertime, you may wear flip-flops, but even those aren't bad. But can you imagine in the ancient world, wherever you went, whatever you were doing, construction jobs, walking on dirt roads, you might have lacerations on your feet. Your feet might look pretty ugly. Anybody have issues with feet just in general? Yeah. Okay, so, so Jesus humbles himself. And he says, look, now think about the pupil and the servant. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, I did not come to be served, but to serve. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Believe it or not, if you have doubts and questions about your Christian faith, you're not alone. The recent deconstruction movement phenomenon has a number of Christians rethinking what parts of the Bible they identify with. But is the movement simply about having doubts? If deconstruction is just about asking questions, I'm just asking questions, I'm, I'm going through some doubts, then declaring war on it would be wrong and actually unbiblical. But if deconstruction is about leading people away from historic Christianity, then declaring war on it is completely appropriate and biblical. Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Download the free Walk in Truth app available in your app store today. You can also listen to the first part of this conversation when you listen to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, I did not come to be served, but to serve. The Lord of the universe, the one who spoke the universe into existence and holds it together, became a servant. That's why I follow Jesus Christ, by the way. Now, he's worthy of me following, though, even if he didn't humble himself on the cross. But think about what he did. He left the glories of heaven. He died on a cross. He died a death for us, faced off with the enemy, if you will, defeated death at the cross, overcame the grave. It is love that motivates me to serve him. I have a love of my master. When we taught on the bond servant from Exodus 21, remember that in the ancient world, And servitude was very common in the ancient world. If you served your master, it was seven years, according to the Bible, and then you were to be set free. But if you loved your master, they went through a ceremony, you would go up to the doorpost of the house and they would put that all through your ear. And the servant would say, even though I could go free, the love of my master makes me want to stay here forever. So I just say to you, when you're thinking about uh, discipleship images, servant images we love him because he first loved us so ephesians 5 1 and 2 puts it this way be imitators of god as beloved children if you're taking notes ephesians 5 1 and 2 and walk in love just as christ loved us and gave himself up for us a sweet smelling aroma to god my motivation to serve jesus To love Jesus is because he first loved me. He showed me what it means to be a servant. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen? Though in very nature God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and made in the likeness of men. And then dying that terrible death and then being exalted, the name above all names. You see, this is the one we follow. Remember, when he gives the talk, he's on his way to a cross. So sometimes when people hear the hard calls like, you're not worthy of me if you have son or daughter, mother or father above me, you're not worthy of me, these calls to discipleship. I heard a a radio broadcast a few days back and caller calls in on behalf of an atheist friend and says, 
My atheist friend has this question, is God some sort of megalomaniac where he, he wants worship, 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 it's all about him. If you don't give up everything, you're not worthy of him. Isn't God totally God-centric, egocentric? That's the question. And you know, a lot of people think that. So I have to worship this God or I'm going to be consigned to judgment. And the, the t- person taking the phone call had a good response. He said, look, people made in the image of God are all worshipers. We worship something. If we don't worship some false God, like in the ancient world, some idol with often a demon power behind it, well, we worship ourselves. We're all worshipers. We're going to worship something. And God has called us to worship him. Is he worthy of our worship? Well, he made us and he died for us and he rose for us and he intercedes for us. Let me ask you, is he worthy of your worship? You know, a lot of people who frame questions like that, they frame them that way because they don't want to be under the lordship of God. They want to do it themselves. They are their own God. And that's a very common thing that we see. And even in people struggling with their faith today, and some people apparently jumping ship from their Christian faith and their Christian roots are imbibing these ideas like it's some awful thing that the God who created you might want you to worship him so that you'd be in fellowship with him and know what life is truly about. I often say to people, look, if God made you, doesn't it make sense that your life would never be complete unless you know him? I think that's just kind of basic 101. So Jesus says, look, this is the call. And as you see a definition of disciple, look at the position of a disciple. I'm trying to give you headings. So first, a definition of a disciple. Let's look at the disciple's position. A disciple is not above his teacher. A slave is not above his master. You don't tell your Lord, I don't do windows. You don't tell your Lord, You know, this is what I'm doing today, like it or not. No, when you call someone your Lord, when you call someone your teacher, rabbi, and your Lord, you do what he says. But the amazing beauty about this particular Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is that he came to serve us. He came to humble himself. That's one I can follow, amen? That's one I can get behind. That's that's a beautiful example that he sets, so your rank as a disciple is below. Uh, I, I, he existed before me, John the Baptist says. He is of higher rank than me. He must increase. I must decrease. This is the cry of the disciple. It's not about what can God do for me? What blessings can I get from him? What emergency can he rescue me from? Look, he, he will give you many blessings. He will rescue you from emergencies. He will give you the grace to get through stuff. But that's not why you should follow him. You should follow him because you love him. You should follow him because he's worthy of your allegiance. You should follow him because without him, you have nothing. A man, a woman would have nothing unless it first been given to them from heaven. So here's the disciples' goal. It's found in verse 25. It is enough For the disciple, now that we've defined some terms, we've looked at our position, the disciple's goal, that he become as all the other uh, modern translations that I looked up say like his teacher. It's enough for the disciple to become like his teacher and the slave, there's both the images again, like his master or his Lord. 
Now, here's something you got to be prepared for, though. If you call me Lord, then here's, as you go out on this short-term mission trip, here's what you may find. If they've called the head of the house, Jesus is the head of the church, of course, Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. Now, Jesus says, look, I'm telling you what a disciple is. I'm telling you your position. I'm telling you your goal. You're to become like me. But if you're going to become like me, you're going to get the good and the bad and the ugly. And since they call me Beelzebul, you know, the religious leadership said that Jesus, the living Lord of the universe, cast out demons by the power of demons or the power of Satan. They called him Beelzebul. You know who Beelzebul was? He was an ancient... Uh, pagan god, small g, he was the lord of the flies. And the Jews did a little different ending on the word and called him the lord of the dung. We might say it today, the lord of the poop. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine our precious Messiah being called the... I hate flies, by the way. Anybody else? Flies! It's a question we may have in heaven. And they're always in the wrong place at the wrong time. You've been listening to The Making of a Disciple, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew, chapter 10, verses 24 through 32. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, we've talked a little bit right here on Walk in Truth about the definition of the kingdom of God. Let's talk about the definition of a disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is a learner and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you would say, you know, all I can really categorize myself as to this point is an attender and that occasionally. <laughs> and maybe you say disciple, that, that seems very distant. There was a book written years ago by Juan Carlos Ortiz, if I recall this correctly. I'm doing this from the hip, but it was called Disciple. And it really began to dig down on what it means, what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, every believer in Jesus ought to be a disciple, but the truth is not everybody's living like a disciple. And so you might say, well, what does that look like for me? You know, I live... In a certain place, I go to church a couple times a month. Uh, you know, I show up, open my Bible, but there's not much more to my Christianity than that. Well, that's not what it should all be about. It, that should be the holy huddle should be where you get sent out, you know, on mission. And we've been talking a lot about mission. So what do I do? What could I read to learn more? Well, that book called Disciple by Juan Carlos Ortiz was a pretty good one. It might even be out of print now. There's other books on discipleship that you could get a hold of, but the best book on discipleship, of course, is the Bible. And so the more that you 
get into the Word of God and get the Word of God into you, the more you will be shaped like your master. See, the goal of a disciple is to become like his master. That's what, that's what Jesus said here. And so if you think about that simple goal, if I pursue Jesus and become more like him, then I will be effective as a disciple of Christ. Draw close to him, uh, read your Bible, stay in fellowship. Yes, begin serving at your local church. Step up your game in 2024. Man, we need more disciples and less attenders of churches. Know what I'm saying? I think you do. This is Pastor Mike Lance. This is Walk in Truth. We're walking through the incredible gospel of Matthew. I pray that you've been blessed. Hey, if we can help you in any way, we we give out occasionally a number that you can call. Tuesday through Friday, we have pastors available to pray with you and uh, hear you out and uh, hopefully just be a blessing to you. It's 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. So I pray that you'll take advantage of that phone number, 844-48-TRUTH. And I pray that you'll have a blessed weekend and we'll catch you right here next time. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 10, 24 through 32, called The Making of a Disciple. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.